Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Hope you had a great weekend. But here we go. I have to deal with this first. As you know, I've been extremely critical of Anthony Fauci. I was skeptical of him early on, but I was respectful. But now I think we see a man who truly is narcissistic and egomaniacal. A man who has been so wrong so often about this pandemic that it's hard to keep count. A man who's on TV, it would appear, for most of the last year rather than his desk studying the data. I don't know how you do both. You know, I've told you just to write a book. I spend weekends and nights and early mornings, and that's on a book. If you're the infectious disease czar, in effect, shouldn't you be at your desk, handling calls, making calls, looking at the data, just studying this stuff over and over and over again? And Fauci did something that was really stunning. See, we have a department of HHS. That's the umbrella department that oversees the CDC, the NIH, the FDA. And the NIH oversees the infectious disease operation that Fauci works in. So just so you understand, while he heads infectious disease uh, operations, he doesn't head the science and health and medical operations of the nation. He simply does not. He has a rather narrow lane. Decisions about funding pharmaceutical companies, decisions about buying vaccines in advance, 
decisions about bringing in the United States military to help with distribution and coordination between various private sector corporations and so forth, Fauci makes none of those decisions. Zero. And the media almost intentionally want this ambiguity to persist. Because they know he's a liberal, he's been around Washington for 50 years, and he's obviously a source. And they wouldn't put him on TV all the time if he wasn't the perfect foil. And so where is he? He's on CNN yesterday. He's on CNN Sunday. And here in part is what happened. Cut three, go. When I saw what happened in New York City. Refrigerated trucks are now being mobilized as makeshift morgues. Almost overrunning of our health care system. It was like, oh my goodness. And that's when it became very clear that the decision we made on January the 10th to go all out and develop a vaccine. We had a number of vaccine candidates. May have been the best decision that I've ever made with regard to an intervention as the director of the Institute. What is he talking about? I happen to know some people who were in these meetings. They were in these meetings with the task force. And I also happen to know on too many occasions... Fauci was the naysayer. That Fauci was carrying the bureaucratic line. So this is really quite troubling to me. Fauci wasn't in charge of vaccine production. He wasn't in charge of deciding what companies the government should back. He wasn't a coordinator with these companies. Obviously, he kept track of what was going on. But he wasn't a principal decision maker. The Food and Drug Administration, the Center for Disease Control, National Institutes of Health, the Department of HHS, these are big bureaucracies with tens of thousands of people. Too many of our fellow Americans believe Fauci's in charge. Fauci was not in charge. Donald Trump was in charge. And it was Donald Trump who made the changes in the approach when it came to these vaccines. How do we know that? Because he was open about it with Operation Warp Speed. He brought an outsider in to oversee it, not Fauci. So now Fauci's taking credit that he made the decision on January 10th to go all out to develop a vaccine. That is a bald-faced lie. That is so dishonest. It is a bald face lie. And then you have Joe Biden, who takes credit for the vaccines. And now we're on track to have 200 million people vaccinated in his first 100 days. Those vaccines were produced, they were bought for, developed, and produced under the Trump administration. In fact, they had paid for 800 million vaccination shots with seven different companies. And as it became clear that certain companies actually had vaccines that would, that would do the trick and vaccines that were ready to go, they ordered more vaccines from those companies. Moderna, Pfizer, 
and Johnson and Johnson. And as I pointed out last week at some length on Levin TV and on my Fox show and here behind the microphone, when they left office, the Trump administration had ordered enough vaccines to vaccinate 550 million people. Fauci had nothing to do with that decision. It was Donald Trump who made the decision early on that we have to defeat this, that we have to have a war against this this virus. It was Donald Trump who was at loggerheads with the FDA telling them to hurry, hurry, hurry. While it was Biden and Kamala Harris and their ilk on the sidelines shooting spitballs telling them follow the science, follow the science. It's one thing to follow the science, it's another thing to follow the entrenched bureaucracy. And I dare say, if Donald Trump listened to Fauci enough, we still wouldn't have vaccines. The Trump presidency is the only presidency I've ever seen where the president doesn't actually get credit for the things he's done. It's an amazing thing to watch. I mean, if anybody deserves credit for this, It's the men and women who developed these vaccines, but it's the President of the United States who made it possible. He subsidized and capitalized these pharmaceutical companies to come up with vaccines by the billions and billions of dollars. We have never ordered vaccines that haven't even been invented yet and paid for them in advance. That's exactly what Trump did because he has a businessman's mind. And he also knew we have to be able to transport these vaccines. So that entire system had to be developed by the Trump team. And then people needed to actually receive their shots. And the good admiral who was involved in that whole process on the radio with me last week, I believe it was, he pointed out they had tens of thousands of locations already lined up, including drugstores and so forth, already lined up to give the vaccinations. And that by the end of May or early June, the Biden administration really didn't have to do anything. And they really haven't done very much, quite frankly. And Fauci makes a comment by this, like this. And of course, you hear the music and CNN's promoting it. And that's when it became very clear that the decision we made on January the 10th to go all out and develop a vaccine may have been the best decision that I've ever made with regard to an intervention as the director of the Institute. I think this man needs some attention. I really do. I think he needs some attention. And if, in fact, the best medical and scientific experts are in Washington, D.C., and they're not, but if they are, he should take a little bit of time off and visit them have an examination one of the greatest hospitals on the face of the earth is just down the road it's called Johns Hopkins maybe you should go over there for a little bit of a respite because this guy truly does have a Napoleonic psychology to go on national TV and say that it was the best decision he ever made this is truly delusional Mr. Don't wear a mask, Mr. Do wear a mask, Mr. Wear two masks, Mr. All over the map. Remember him? I played it the other day. Wear goggles. Goggles. 
wear goggles. Goggles, wear double masks, even after you're vaccinated. Which, of course, defeats the purpose. And here he is again on Deface the Nation. So he's on CNN yesterday, and he's on Deface the Nation yesterday. It's like a bad rash. Can't get rid of this guy. By Margaret Brennan. Cut four, go. So if parents are vaccinated, they still do need to be concerned about their unvaccinated children playing together in groups. Actually, they don't. That's the science, that they don't. Because the children... How many more times do I have to say this? I only hear it from the experts over and over and over again. The children are the least likely to have a problem with it, the least likely to be the spreaders and all the rest of it. And she asks this stupid question because she knows Fauci's a contrarian. Go ahead. Yeah, the children can clearly wind up getting infected. When we talk about what you can do when you're vaccinated, you can certainly have members of a family, if the adults are vaccinated, and you're in the home with your child, you don't need to wear a mask and you can have physical contact. When the children go out into the community, you want them to continue to wear masks when they're interacting with groups from multiple households. Why? Well, they might pass the virus along, but we've already been told by other scientists, including at Johns Hopkins, including at Stanford, including at Oxford, including at Yale. I mean, real schools, that they don't. And way back in July, I think it was, Mr. Producer, we had five of the top pediatricians in the country say that they would send their kids to public school back then. Maybe they had to wear a mask, maybe they had to be six feet apart and so forth, but when children are playing with children, no, actually they don't. That's the science. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years. It continues these efforts today. Not only its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit the college to preserving civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution and the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto? Pursuing Truth and Defending Liberty since 1844. It will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. I understand, ladies and gentlemen, you know, Fauci mentions January 10th when he made the decision to go full bore on the vaccine. It's a flat-out, bald-faced lie. He made no such decision. If I'm not mistaken, January 10th was the very day the president began asking about a China travel ban. Fauci was bitterly opposed to a China uh, travel ban. 
And he opposed it all the way until the president finally made his decision. He, he was the break on so many things. Everything was too fast, too aggressive, too risky, too untested. Sound familiar? Sounds just like the media at the time. Now he pats himself on the back. You can see where a Fauci-Biden team would have resulted in a disaster, potentially millions of more Americans dead, because they would not have pushed hard to get this, this uh, vaccine situation across the finish line as uh, quickly as President Trump clearly did. It's really quite appalling. And now they want to have vaccination passports. Why not just sear scarlet letters on our forehead, Mr. Producer? Vaccination passports. We don't even require passports from people crawling across the border right now. No, no, no. Vaccination passports. Well, I can tell you right now, the illegal aliens don't have vaccinations. And they're coming into the country without passports. Even without the virus, they're coming into the country without passports. So again, it's a method for tracking and keeping data on the American citizenry. It's appalling. It's appalling that every time we have an issue, whether it's a pandemic or a shooting or so forth, our liberties are under attack. Our liberties, law-abiding, tax-paying, productive citizens, we're the ones who are attacked. Now you say, Mark, what's the problem? What do you mean, what's the problem? And if you don't have one of these passports, you can't go on federal buildings, there's a thousand things you can't do. We've had pandemics in American history before. Frankly, as a percent of the population, they've killed many more Americans. We didn't have vaccination passports or anything of the sort. It's a slippery slope with the left, ladies and gentlemen. They don't just stop. It's like gun control. We went through that data at great length the other day, using the FBI statistics, informing ourselves and informing the mouthpieces on cable TV and radio who regurgitated exactly the same thing. The FBI statistics show very few people are murdered with rifles, let alone an AR-15. But they want to, quote-unquote, outlaw them as assault weapons. And then what? When they figure out that far more people, when we're talking about firearms, far more people are killed with pistols, you will have already laid the groundwork for them to move on to pistols. It's just appalling. Isn't it amazing, though, that the people who are pushing hard for vaccination passports, Mr. Producer, reject the idea of a voter ID, where you have to show your driver's license in order to vote? Isn't that interesting? No, it's their typical hypocrisy. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years. It continues these efforts today. Not only its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, 
commit the college to preserving civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution and the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. It will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. As I, uh, as I do research all day long, all night long, all weekend long for something I'm writing, hopefully for you, I came across something that I thought might interest you, if not concern you. And this is from last week the chairman and CEO of Gallup. He said 42 million people want to migrate to the United States. 42 million. Here are the questions every leader should be able to answer regardless of their politics, he writes. His name is Jim Clifton. How many more people are coming to the southern border and what is the plan? There are 33 countries in Latin America and the Caribbean. Roughly 450 million adults live in the region. Gallup asked them if they would like to move to another country permanently if they could. A whopping 27% said yes. This means roughly 120 million would like to migrate somewhere. Gallup then asked them where they would like to move. Of those who want to leave their country permanently, 35% of the 120 million, or 42 million, said they want to leave for the United States. 42 million. He says seekers of citizenship or asylum are watching to determine exactly when and how is the best time to make their move. In addition to finding a solution for the thousands of migrants currently at the border, let's include the bigger, harder question. What about all those who would like to come? What is the message to them? What is the 10-year plan? 330 million U.S. citizens are wondering, so are 42 million Latin Americans. Well, Joe Biden has opened the door to millions of them. And if this pace continues, we're going to have 2 million aliens in this country every year for four years or more. Something we have never seen in this country. Never. And what they're saying is, and even the Washington Compost had to write a piece about this, is that this is just the beginning. And you see, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Biden isn't changing any of his policies. He refuses to. Washington Post, the Biden administration's attention along the Mexican border has been consumed by the past several weeks by the record numbers of migrant teenagers and children crossing into the United States without their parents, at a rate that far exceeds the government's ability to care for them. But as they race to add shelter capacity for these minors, shelter capacity, you see, ladies and gentlemen, they're not deporting. Yes, a freeze on deporting for 100 days. They basically check them and release them. 
Detention centers are reception centers. Many now are not receiving dates, times, and documents to appear in administrative courts for their refugee status hearings. They're just being released. We have open borders. And Biden knew he couldn't abolish ICE and the Border Patrol, so he did the second or next best thing. Cloward and Piven. They are overwhelmed. Half of them are not involved anymore in border security as they take care of these people. The more that's heard south of the border that we're building shelters, that people are being released into the country, that children will not be returned to their parents south of the border, the more are coming. It's incentivizing them. And as they race to add shelter capacity for these miners, Department of Homeland Security officials are privately warning about what they see as the next phase of a migration surge that could be the largest in 20 years, driven by a much greater number of families. DHS expects roughly half a million to 800,000 migrants to arrive as part of a family group during the 2021 fiscal year that ends in September. And that doesn't count people coming as individuals, you see. The estimate is based on what has already been a vertiginous, good word, increase since President Biden took office on January 20. This month, the number of family members taken into customs and border protection custody is on pace to reach 50,000, up from 7,000 in January. So you had 7,000 under Trump, and now it's at 50,000. The highest one-month total... 88,587 was recorded in May 2019, during a year when more than 525,000 migrants arrived. And that's exactly why Trump put his foot down and put an end to it. Hundreds of parents and children have been spending hours at an outdoor processing station next to the Rio Grande. Some sleeping on the ground while they wait for agents to formally take them into custody. It is... Shocking to me that in the United States of America, we don't have a press that is aggressive enough to find out what's going on in these detention facilities. What's happened to their lawyers? What's happened to litigation? This is a massive cover-up like we've never seen before. Roy... Villarreal, who retired last year after 33 years in the Border Patrol, said roughly 40% of those taken in by Customs and Border Patrol custody now are children, families, but they consume 60 to 70% of agents' time, attention, and paperwork. And so while agents are doing that, the borders are wide open. Biden knows this is happening. Biden is being briefed on this. And Biden is perfectly happy with it. Just keep the press away. Keep the American people as dumb as you possibly can. And bring in as many immigrants, illegal immigrants, as you possibly can. Because you know at some point there will be another wave of amnesty. And another wave of amnesty. And legalization and citizenship. This is another way to ensure the Democrat Party has permanent control. This isn't a cynical view. This is reality. This is exactly what's going on. The Biden administration has placed some families arriving in South Texas on flights to other sectors of the border. How many flights can you have that handles tens of thousands of people? Not enough. That's quite clear. There's been no formal announcement about expanded Mexican shelter capacity. 
However, and the extraordinary volume of people arriving to South Texas has often left agents too overwhelmed to complete the paperwork. Specifically, they want to turn Texas blue. They know exactly what they're doing. And then it's over. Republicans can't win. They push through this H1, excuse me, this HR1 and S1 bill. They change Florida, excuse me, they change Texas, and it's over. We can't win elections. Though family groups do not require the same intense level of care as unaccompanied minors, they often require short-term shelter stays after they are freed, as well as transportation to their destination in the United States. Isn't this amazing? While the Biden administration is expelling some families, it is allowing nearly all unaccompanied minors to stay. So some parents are choosing to send their sons and daughters across the border alone. As more families are allowed to stay, more parents are expected to arrive with their children instead of splitting up. So there you have it. And what they're also not saying here is, when children get to stay, they search out the parents south of the border and they bring them in. They're not sending children back. What Trump did is he sent children back to their parents. They would try and locate their parents or relatives and send the children back. What Trump did is say, you want to claim refugee status, which 90% do and 90% don't get because they're not refugees. They don't qualify for asylum under federal law. He said, fine, you can do that in Mexico because he he made an arrangement with the Mexican government. A truly remarkable arrangement with the Mexican government that was not working with us almost at all before. And the Mexican government agreed that all these people coming into Mexico, as well as their own citizens who wanted to come into the United States based on some refugee status, had to file their paperwork in Mexico. Biden gets rid of that on day one. Biden gets rid of the wall on day one. So there are massive gaps and people know where they are. But most of all, Biden is empowering the genocidal domestic terrorism of these drug cartels in Mexico. He's actually undermining the Mexican government. He's enriching these cartels. And these people are being abused. 30% of the women are sexually molested who come here. The children are being molested and otherwise abused. That's what Biden has done. That's why he doesn't want the press to cover it. Even the friendly press. Even the Democrat Party press. That's what Biden has done. And I'm going to tell you something. These Democrat representatives from these border areas, they are fuming. Biden never coordinated with them. And uh, in one case, uh, they don't return uh, one of the congressman's calls. This is a bipartisan thing. At least it is in South Texas, but not in Washington, D.C., where they're utterly untouched. They're utterly untouched. It's shocking what's going on here. It's shocking how little control we have over this. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years. It continues these efforts today. 
not only its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit the college to preserving civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution and the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage of liberty that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto? Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. It will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. President of the United States has had about enough of Fauci and Burks, and so he has issued a statement which I want to read to you, that president being Trump. He said, based on their interviews, I felt it was time to speak up about Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, two self-promoters trying to reinvent history to cover for their bad instincts and faulty recommendations, which I fortunately almost always overturned. They had bad policy decisions that would have left our country open to China and others, close to reopening our economy, and years away from an approved vaccine, putting millions of lives at risk. He's exactly right. We developed American vaccines by an American president in record time, nine months, which is saving the entire world. We bought billions of dollars of these vaccines on a calculated bet that they would work. Perhaps the most important bet in the history of the world. Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks move far too slowly. And if it were up to them, we'd currently be locked in our basements as our country suffered through a financial depression. Families and children in particular would be suffering the mental strains of this disaster like never before. In a fake interview last night on CNN, Dr. Fauci, who said he was an athlete in college but couldn't throw a baseball even close to home plate, it was a roller, tried to take credit for the vaccine when in fact he said it would take three to five years and probably longer to have it approved. Dr. Fauci was incapable of pressing the FDA to move it through faster. I was the one to get it done, and even the fake news media knows and reports this. Dr. Fauci is also the king of flip-flops and moving the goalposts to make himself look as good as possible. He fought me so hard because he wanted to keep our country open to countries like China. This is a fact. I happen to know this. I closed it against his strong recommendation, which saved many lives. Dr. Fauci also said we didn't need to wear masks. Then a few months later, he said we needed to wear masks. And now two or three of them. Fauci spent U.S. money on the Wuhan lab in China, and we now know how that worked out. Dr. Burks is a proven liar with very little credibility left. Many of her recommendations were viewed as pseudoscience. And Dr. Fauci would always talk negatively about her, and in fact, would ask not to be in the same room with her. The states who followed her lead, like California, had worse outcomes on COVID and ruined the lives of countless children because they couldn't go to school, ruined many businesses, and an untold number of Americans who were killed by the lockdowns themselves. Dr. Burks was a terrible medical advisor, which is why I seldom followed her advice. Her motto should be, do as I say, not as I do. Who can forget? 
when Dr. Birx gave a huge mandate to the people of our nation not to travel, and then traveled a great distance to see her family for Thanksgiving, only to have them call the police and turn her in. She then embarrassingly for herself resigned. Finally, Dr. Birx says she can't hear very well, but I can. There was no very difficult phone call other than Dr. Birx's policies that would have led us directly to a COVID-caused depression. She was a very negative voice who didn't have the right answers. Time has proven me correct. I only kept Dr. Fauci and Dr. Birx on because they worked for the U.S. government for so long. They're like a bad habit. President Trump. I've heard from others. Uh, that Dr. Fauci was, uh, go slow, don't be too aggressive, it's too risky, it's untested. And um, the idea that it was he who brought us the vaccine is just a flat-out lie. And really, the media should stop promoting this guy. They won't, because he serves the, the purpose of the media, which promotes lies left and right. But it really is, uh, really is appalling, uh, what he has said. Now, as for this vaccine... Vaccination passports, I'm strongly against this. Look, folks, if everybody who wants a vaccination is going to have a vaccination, we're going to have herd immunity. This is the science. This is what the men, the geniuses, and the women at Stanford and other places have been telling us all along. Even without the vaccines, we eventually are going to have herd immunity. But with the vaccines and the herd and the immunity that that will take place as a result of people having gotten the virus, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. If there's a new strand, we'll deal with it. But we don't have a massive new strand today. And so we're Americans. We need to embrace our liberty. We need to embrace our country. People are trying to move us like sheep or cattle in one direction or another. And then they want to take credit for what the private sector creates or what the prior administration did. We don't need abstract theories anymore. We have the case of Florida versus New York. We have the case of Texas versus California. We have a handle on what works and what doesn't work. Not perfect, but perfect enough. So we have the data. We have the data. The lockdowns didn't work. That's what so many of the great experts out of so many of the great universities are telling us. The lockdowns didn't work. Vaccines were the way to go. Stop punishing our children, who quite frankly are, when it comes to to medicine, are largely unaffected by this virus, as opposed to variants of the flu. We know all of this now. So now we're going to have vaccination passports? Really? What other kind of passports are we going to have? Just think of what I'm saying. What they do to we, the people, the citizens of this country, who own this country, who own this government, who own the bureaucracy. Look how they play with us. Look what they do to us. Meanwhile, illegal foreigners coming into this country, coming into the United States of America. No masks, no tests, no passports, no vaccination passports, nothing, zero. I'll be right back. He's here. 
Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to thank you in the audience for being here and um, and for listening. March 3rd, 2017, we broke the story on the spying that was taking place on Trump and Trump world. In August... I think it was of 2019 or was it 2020, Mr. Producer, when I interviewed Dr. Bandy Lee. We exposed her as well, going around and doing diagnoses of individuals from afar, people she never even met. 2019, August 2019. March 26, 2020, almost a year ago to the day, we had a phone call, which exposed what Andrew Cuomo was doing to senior citizens in the state of New York. And it's deeply and gravely unfortunate that virtually every news outlet, including conservative hosts and news sites, ignored it. But we promoted it as much as we possibly could because we thought it was a disaster. And rather than introduce it further, take a listen to what took place almost exactly a year ago today. Go. Elaine, New Rochelle, New York, the great WABC. Go. Now, that's the EPA of epicenters. Go ahead. Yes, hello. Thank you very much for taking mm-hmm. my call. Um, I wanted to bring to your attention and the listeners' attention uh, what is about to happen in New York uh, with respect to nursing homes. And uh, the governor has ordered that all nursing homes must accept uh, COVID positive patients that are actually uh, potentially still infectious into um, into their facilities, and this will um, put our residents, our long term care population. Wait, 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 wait. Are you, is this? Are you pulling my leg seriously? No. Why would you send somebody who has this virus into a population that can kill people? Thank you. No, no, are you well, serious? I'm, I'm, I am serious. Well why, well, why would he order this? I don't, it doesn't make any sense. Memo, well, because, because the hospitals, well, first of all, in, you know, I, I will uh, point out that nursing homes are in the habit of accepting patients from hospitals to continue their care after their... They may be in the habit, but they must realize now that the most vulnerable people among us are senior citizens. And nursing homes, these are people that have issues. And so I'm trying to understand the point of this. What is the point of this? I'm looking at a directive from Andrew Cuomo and Howard Zucker dated March 25th that is ordering nursing homes. It says nursing homes must comply with the expedited receipt of residents from hospitals. They are deemed appropriate to go into the nursing homes by the hospitals, and we cannot discriminate based on the presence of COVID. And that's it. And that's how he's been managing this crisis. He has been dictating. He's been sending out memorandum and orders and executive orders 
and there has been no coordination uh, on the ground level. Here I'm speaking from Westchester and New Rochelle. Just uh, we, we had the first COVID positive right. case in New York, and uh, we were uh, for a time the epicenter. And now, of course, it's shifted a little south of us. But um, basically, as you know, the hospitals are overwhelmed. They want to discharge patients somewhere else so they can take in new patients. And um, that's what the governor has ordered. Now, our um, National Association of Nursing Home Medical Directors, uh, when I sent this memorandum uh, to them, uh, has issued a statement saying that this is extremely dangerous, unsafe, that it will increase the risk of transmission in nursing homes. And we all learned from Washington how catastrophic that is. Um, it will uh, destabilize the facilities, uh, potentially increase the flow back into hospitals, overwhelm capacity, endanger healthcare personnel, and escalate the death rate. So, um, but you can't get through to anybody down here. Uh, you can't. You can't talk to anybody. We don't, we don't have. Support. There's nobody coordinating the response at this level. At, at certainly at the county level. And I know from my prior. Have, life, have you have you given this information to local media? That's why I'm calling you. But I'm not local and media. Yes. Have you given yes. this information? Hold on now. To information, these reporters show up at these press events uh, where Cuomo does these. Uh, you know kind of dance song and dance moves there always demanding that somebody else do something else this needs to be in the hands of a reporter who is at that conference in albany and reads it to him and asks him how he can explain this yeah that's a good idea i mean it's not my line of work but i got it to uh we got this information to the wall street journal who published uh something today so that's the first thing, uh, first time we've got it out to the media. And, you know, it's not what we generally so, do. So in other words, it's available for all these cable stars and all these uh, reporters at the uh, New York Daily News and the New York Times and the rest of them. They know it's out there. Well, if they read that article, I don't know who else picked up on the story. We, we got it. It was published today in the Wall Street Journal, one article. So um, now, th- now our executive um, organization, the executive director, in, this afternoon issued the statement, uh, you know, stating that our organization was against this. If if we wanted to find that, do you know what, where would we go to find the link? I can send it to you, but it's uh, it's the American Medical Directors Association. It has a uh, a longer. Um, name that I'll give you in a moment, and I'm sure it's on its website. You might have to be a member to get it, but we we can get it to you uh, through our executive director. Um, the, it's the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine. Just, just go on my Facebook site and post it. Post the link. Okay. All right. Mark Levin yes. Show Facebook or Mark Levin Show Twitter, either one. Yeah. And then the, and then the and whole what, country can look at it and draw conclusions from it. And I just want to say, if I could, you know, nursing homes and the and people that work at nursing homes are are such a dedicated group of professionals. Oh yes, yes. And, and we really want to help. But so you're a doctor. To, I'm a medical director. I'm a physician. Medical director. Medical director. I'm okay. both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm an administrative medical director plus a you know a clinician. Okay. And um, our our home is a wonderful facility. But you know, it's 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 going to affect. 
all area nursing homes any minute now. Well, and if this is if this is right, this is exactly the wrong thing that you're that he's doing. Yeah, I mean, understand, and he's he's backed himself into a corner here, and and all of this should have been planned out. As I believe you, uh, you. I've talked about it over and over and over again that, look, you can never be fully prepared for these things, but you could be better prepared. <clears throat> and since these things are really the states want to control their hospitals, their beds, their ventilators, their MRIs, their CTs, their uh, medical institutions and so forth. And they do. And so the question is, he's been there some time now. Why didn't he at least prioritize uh, health services? In case there's a pandemic, he was aware of it. There's been reports put out that New York is uh, sorely unprepared. He's had opportunities to uh, to order significantly more beds and ventilators over the years, but he hasn't done it. He hasn't. Not only that, he's closed. I mean, in my neighborhood. And you're telling me you can't even get to him. Oh, we can't get to anybody. You can't get to anybody. There's supposed to be somebody at the county level. Oh, wait a minute. He keeps putting out phone numbers and websites during his press conferences. You are the medical director of a nursing home. This order goes out, and you can't reach anybody. You can't reach anybody. And, and not only that, there's supposed to be someone at the county level that's yeah. coordinating. Let's say, I mean, I, it is not a good I only idea. have 30 seconds. All right. Uh, there's no coordination of the response here in Westchester. It's just a series of directives. He's behaving like a dictator. Uh, executive directors, orders. For well, he wanted market. Trump to nationalize businesses. All right, I'm back live. As you can see in that eight-minute phone call, everything the nation needed to know about what was taking place in New York with this horrific, deadly decision was known. Now, it's not like I'm whispering the information. There's millions and millions of people. I mean, you know, you, listening. There are the plagiarists in cable. The plagiarists in talk radio listening. There are the hatchet jobs at Media Matters and Mediaite listening. There are the wannabes listening. Taking notes. And yet they wouldn't raise this issue. And you could tell, as I listen to this, really fresh listen to this, I was shocked. I thought somebody was pulling my leg. And how, who can make a decision like this? Now, let me ask you a question. When a governor of one of the biggest, most populated states in the country makes a decision like this, isn't the head of the infectious disease effort in the United States government aware of it? Of course he was. Well, did he say anything about it? Didn't say a word. Did he immediately put out guidance and say, don't do that? Not once. In fact, he praised Cuomo months later as being an example of what we expect and want from a governor while he was trashing DeSantis, who did none of these things, who specifically tried to protect his seniors in nursing homes and senior facilities and so forth. Followed the science because he was studying the data as were his experts on their own without being filtered through Fauci. Quack, quack, Fauci. And the result is thousands of deaths. And they blame those thousands of deaths on President Trump. The same thing happened in New Jersey. The same thing happened in California. The same thing happened in Michigan. The same thing happened in Illinois. 
and to some extent in Massachusetts and some of these other states. And there's Joe Biden, never said a word, never said a word about how outrageous it was or that any of the governors from his own party were. Not one word. He just kept blaming the president, President Trump, for deaths. That Trump was responsible for the deaths. All right, I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have a great senator on the program, somebody I admire greatly, Ron Johnson, who was just down on the border, and I watched over the weekend what he had to say, so I wanted to bring him on. We'll be right back. Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Well, it's a pleasure to have Senator Ron Johnson with us. Senator, how are you, sir? Very well. All right. I'm just going to throw it to you. Tell us what was going on. You were there. What what you saw on the southern border? Well, you know, I've been involved in these issues as chairman of the Homeland Security Government Affairs Committee of the Senate for six years. This is the worst crisis I've seen by far. And what I've seen is a crisis that didn't have to happen. And so what you have now is the Biden administration, first of all, uh, denying that there's a crisis doing everything they can to make it look like it's not a crisis. In other words, denying press access, having a little minder with us. It was like going to China and having a Communist Party minder telling us, you know, you can't photograph this, delete your photos. But what is so sad about this, Mark, is we pretty well had this problem solved under President Trump. After the 2018-2019 surge of families and unaccompanied children, we enacted the return to Mexico policy. We did agreements with Mexico and other Central American countries, and we pretty well solved this particular problem. And the Biden administration, the transition team, actually asked the Trump administration, what can we do to avoid a crisis on the border? They said, well, keep our policies in place. And, of course, the first day in office, President Biden didn't do it. So what we saw is we saw overcrowding of the Donna facility. It's designed for 1,000 people, 250 with COVID protocols, which is what should be the capacity, 4,000 is what we saw last Thursday and Friday. Uh, we heard stories of, for example, the, tra- the traffickers, and, and the human trafficking component of this is grossly underreported. But, for example, one of the things these traffickers do is they'll be in a raft crossing the Rio Grande. Uh, a CBP uh, boat approaches them. They'll throw a child overboard as a diversion. We saw a dead body floating in the Rio Grande River in the middle of the day. They sell children to adults so they can come as families and exploit this. And, and here's two, two new pieces of information. 
what the Biden administration is doing is they're telling CBP to process these families in under eight hours and disperse them. No COVID test, you know, no, no idea where they're going. And then two Saturdays ago, they told CBP, do not provide them a notice to appear. So they're just trying to wave these people through in America. We'll never know where they go. There's no there's no legal requirement because they don't even get a notice, a notice to appear before an immigration judge. This is as close to a completely open border as you possibly can get. That is the Biden policy, and it is humane, inhumane. I mean, the depredations, I, I can't even tell you some of the stories we heard over the phone. They're so horrific. That's, that's the, the Biden-Harris. That's the policy. You know, Senator Johnson, Biden and Harris have to know what's going on down there, if not in specific particulars as a general matter. And they don't seem all that worked up about it to me. They're not all hands on deck. They're not, you know, maybe we ought to reverse course on some of these policies. The president of Mexico is telling them they're screwing things up. But they they don't seem like they're in much of a uh, stress situation to address it, do they? No, the vice president laughs when the press asks her, hey, are you going to go down and see what's happening to the border? She laughs. You know, she was on my committee. You know, I chaired 30 hearings on some aspect of border security, illegal immigration. She would never come, as far as I remember, to actually listen to the witnesses. She would come and she would grill law enforcement, mainly to impugn them. It was in my hearing that she literally was grilling the uh, nominee for ICE and compared ICE to the Ku Klux Klan. And yet that's who President Biden at least temporarily put in charge of solving this problem, somebody who impugns law enforcement. The, the last when the press suggests, you know, maybe you ought to go down there and witness for yourself the depredations that are occurring, hear these stories firsthand. Maybe you'll maybe you have a change of heart. Maybe you'll start realizing how misguided you're gross policies are here and the media you know the media are not granted access but the media seem awfully passive if not timid i mean they can bring lawsuits they can demand access to these facilities you know they brought lawsuits against donald trump when uh, jim acosta was uh interrupting press conferences and they circled the wagon and they demanded that he have access even though there were four or five other cnn reporters there they don't they don't seem to be terribly aggressive about this to me no, because they know, first of all, a picture paints a thousand words, which is why they plastered pictures all of the airways during the Trump administration. They're showing very sympathetic little children, stuff crying at their mother's sides. They, they plaster those all over the media. Now, they're, they, they're, you know, mum's the word. They, they don't want to show the American public what's actually happening because the media is part and parcel of the Democratic Party. They chose their candidate. They made sure that, that President Biden won. Now he's president. The last thing they're going to show, show is how incredibly wrong they were and picking the wrong person. And I don't think I could ignore the fact, and I've said it here before, and you don't have to join me in this. If these folks were given legalization, eventually citizenship, and wave after wave of what's going to be amnesty, I'm convinced of it. And in the end, two-thirds of them voted for Republicans. There's no way the Democrats would be allowing this to occur, do you think? Absolutely not. There's only, that's the only rationale you can think of that they would allow this to happen because, again, this isn't a surprise. The, the depredations that occur with human traffickers, I mean, the fact that they sell children. There was in a hearing, I think, in 2000, 2019, 2018. We heard about a child being sold for $84. I was down on the border with Democrat senators. We, we saw some, like a 50-year-old guy with an 18-month-old little girl. You knew, you just knew that that was not his child. Well, Senator, I want to thank you in so many respects. You really have been a patriot, and we'll have you back soon, I hope. And God bless you, and be well, sir.
Levin, a champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. As for this vaccination passport, I want you to think about that. In order to do certain things as an American city, and in order to go to certain places, and keep in mind the federal government's ubiquitous. It's hard to avoid. You're going to have to have a vaccination passport. That's the plan. That's the goal. It's already started in New York. No wonder nobody wants to stay in New York. What the hell? Anyway, Governor Ron DeSantis. This guy's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Governor Ron DeSantis today said, uh, no. Cut six, go. You want the fox to guard the hen house? I mean, give me a break. I think this is something that has huge privacy implications. It is not necessary to do. You know, we're going to have hit three and a half million seniors that have gotten shots uh, uh, sometime this week, likely 75% of seniors. It's important to be able to do it, but at the same time, uh, we are not going to have you provide proof of this just to be able to live your life normally. And I'm going to be taking some action in, in an executive function, emergency function here very shortly. And that is to prevent such a thing happening to the citizens of Florida. There's only re- really a handful of statesmen who believe in liberty and individualism. You know, literally, when you travel from a state like New York to Florida, vice versa, you see the difference. You see the difference. It's not an exact parallel, of course, but it's a good enough parallel. It's like being in East Berlin and going to West Berlin. Or vice versa. You see New York City... And then you look at Miami. It's, it's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. It's, it's, what's going on in New York is a perfect example of what you don't want to do. And the budget in New York is twice the size of the budget in Florida. And Florida has two and a half million more people than New York. And you can't say it's like Vermont in Florida. They have an extremely diverse population. A significant percentage of the population is Latino. Uh, They have a significant elderly population as well. And so it's a a complex society. It's a diverse society. The geography is different depending on whether you're in the ocean, in the city, in the farm areas. The panhandle is nothing like South Florida. I mean, they're just different. It's a big damn state with a hell of a lot of people from all over the world. But look at the difference between conservative management and left-wing management. Just look at the difference. All these dark blue cities and states are sinking. And now we just subsidized all of them so they can make more bad decisions. So they can make more bad decisions. But vaccination passports, you know, at some point, folks, we have to say no. 
We can't just walk around. What are we going to do now? Sew letters on our, our sweaters and our shirts? A big V? I've been vaccinated? No. No. None of us should accept vaccination passports. None of us. None of us. I want to circle back. So Ted Cruz, it's in his state, is in Dona, Texas, over the weekend. It's his state. It's a state he represents in Washington. And a woman who's a senior Biden advisor, well, she won't let him get the kind of access and take the kind of pictures he wants to take in there. Now, I I don't know where they get the authority to do this. I don't know where the media are. It's just shocking. But then I think to myself, you know, the Washington, excuse me, the New York Times and these other media outlets do have a high tolerance for genocide. The New York Times promoted it 100 years ago under Stalin. And then it censored it 80 years ago under Hitler. So the New York Times already has a very deep and long, disgusting history of covering up and even promoting genocide. And the Washington Post isn't far behind. So I guess that's why. And their great hero, Franklin Roosevelt, like the idiot Sanders and all the rest of them, abused human beings probably more than any other president in the modern time, whether it was Japanese Americans or Jewish Americans or what have you. But I want you to listen to this. The video's better, but I want you to listen to this. Cut seven, go. Please give dignity to the people. Please give dignity to the people. So you worked for the commissioner, your senior advisor. You were hired two weeks ago, and you're instructed to ask us to not have any pictures taken here. Please respect the people. Because the, the political rules. leadership at DHS does not want the American people to know it. Please respect the rules, You keep sir. standing in the Stop, in front stop. Of- Please give dignity to the people. The whole point is the people are being treated like animals worse than animals, by this administration as a result of their policies. Exposing them isn't, isn't failing to give people their dignity. The conduct of this administration and its policies are at fault. Go ahead. The rules are arbitrary and they're designed to keep the American people in the dark. Please respect the rules and give the people dignity and respect. That's all we ask. Dignity and respect. You're asking, is this dignity and respect? Look at these people. There's there's a pandemic. So she was told to keep interrupting him and keep repeating yourself. Like a zombie. Like a left-wing kook zombie. And that's what she's doing. Go ahead. I respectfully ask you, sir. There is a pandemic. Is this respecting the rights of these kids? I ask you, please. Are you respecting the the rights of these kids? This is not a zoo, sir. Please don't treat the people. You're right, and this is a dangerous place. Please don't treat the people like this. Please don't treat the people like this. He's not treating the people like anything. He wants to expose the conditions. You see, ladies and gentlemen. Their narrative has always been wrong. It is we who believe in civil rights and civil liberties. It is we who believe in individual liberty. It is we who believe in humanity and compassion. This zombie going around on behalf of the Biden administration saying, this is not a zoo, please give these people dignity. Dignity in what? In their own feces? Dignity while they're, they're laying, excuse me, lying on top of each other? That's dignity? Go ahead. My understanding, you were instructed 
When 18 I senators came to down here, respect the people, give them dignity I respect, and respect them, and I want to fix this situation. We all want and to fix this. The administration you're working for is responsible anymore. for these conditions. Please respect the people with dignity. Uh, and shut up, you! We respect the people. You can see how totalitarianism works. And there's Joe Biden. Joe Biden has gone to his home in Wilmington five times in less than 90 days. This man doesn't work. I'm not going down to the border. I, I already know what's going on down there, he says. Well, how about giving media access? Here's Chris Wallace. Chris. I have to salute you, Chris. This one time, anyway. Cut eight, go. But just to clarify... And, and by the way, he's interviewing Jen Pisaki. I know it's Saki. I'll call her what I want to. Cut eight, go. But just to clarify, Jen, uh, that you allowed a camera crew in to see the HHS facilities. What we're talking about here are mm-hmm. the border patrol facilities, the detention cells, the, the you know, the, these... I, I, there is a law that they... Let me just finish, that they are not allowed to be there for more than 72 hours. Many of them are there for 10 days. At this point, in terms of allowing access to border patrol facilities for reporters, you are being less transparent than the Trump administration. Well, first of all, Chris, the Trump administration was turning away kids at the border, sending them back on the treacherous journey. Now, why do they lie like that? The Trump administration was taking these kids and sending them back to their families. Stephen Miller was on the program. He explained this in exquisite detail. But they have to keep lying. They have to create these false narratives. They have to use Trump as a foil. They didn't just say, oh, oh, look at this. We have an 11-year-old. Turn around and go back. But they didn't bring them into the interior of the country either. Because it is clear that the coyotes, the drug cartels, other criminal elements, people, adults who are not their parents, who want to use these kids to come into this country illegally, are going to use the kids to do exactly that. And what the Trump administration did and did effectively is put an end to it. Because these kids are pawns. And Jim Psaki doesn't give a damn. Joe Biden doesn't give a damn. Dr. Jill. Kamala Harris. They don't give a damn, ladies and gentlemen. The Democrat Party doesn't give a damn. You don't hear them speaking out. You hear a handful of them speaking out where their communities are directly affected. But you don't hear concerns about compassion and humanity and illness, and little kids, and rape, and molestation. You don't hear concerns about that. The Democrat Party knows how to message. They're not messaging any of it. Except it's not a crisis. It's not a crisis. Why, it's not a crisis because it's not in their home? It's not in their backyard? Well, if that's not a crisis, then what the hell is? Then what the hell is? Go ahead ripping kids from the arms of their parents. We're not doing that. Nobody Uh, was ripping kids from the arms of their parents. Those human cages that were built, they were built by your administration. You worked in the Obama administration, you jerk. And you know that damn well. That's number one. Number two, they weren't ripping kids from the arms of their parents. They were trying to figure out who these adults were with these little kids. And they don't show up, these crooks and these criminals and these molesters, with IDs and say, look at this, this is who I am. Check me out, social security number. None of that can happen. 
So that has to be sorted out by the men and women of the Border Patrol and the men and women of ICE. It had to be figured out. It wasn't, we're ripping children from the arms of their parents. And they lie. They keep lying because they don't want you to understand that what they're doing to these people coming across the border is a sin. And what they're doing to our country is a sin. But by hook or by crook, they're going to get millions and millions of people into this country from south of the border. And then there'll be another wave of amnesty. And another wave after that. And then legalization. And then chain migration. We know exactly what's going on here. Then citizenship. And then voting. And Texas is going to go blue. Georgia's going blue. North Carolina is going blue. Florida is not far away. Sea to shining sea, blue. Turn the whole country into California. That's exactly what they're trying to do. And I want to remind you, 30 years ago, Democrats couldn't win any seats statewide in California. 20 years ago, they couldn't win any seats statewide in California. Now they can't lose. You could put any reprobate, miscreant, or malcontent in office. It doesn't matter who they are or what they've done. Oh, and did I mention they turned Virginia blue? I'll be right back. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Let us go to Terrell in Virginia, the great WMAL. Go, please. Hi, Mark. How are you? All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, you mentioned your uh, independent live-in TV. I happen to be an independent liberal. Oh. And I am one of your listeners sometimes. Thank you. And you're yeah, independent of what exactly? Independent of the Democrats or the ah. Republicans. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, well, my wife's the conservative. I'm the liberal. We're sort of like, you know, Mary Madeline and James Carville that particular way. <clears throat> By the way, I've read your book on freedom of the press, and sadly, you are right. Uh, I read it cover to cover, and I thought, yeah, 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 check, check. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, thank he's you. got a point. So thank you for writing it. Yes, sir. Uh, now, I'm waiting for a shoe to drop. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> well, you, you may like the shoe dropping, sir. Uh, 
I understand that uh, it was. Am I correct in understanding that it was Mr. Hannity was the catalyst in uh, your uh, uh, your embracing the Second Amendment and your rights thereunder? Is that right? No, Obama was. Oh, it was Obama. Oh, then you're like me. <laughs> okay. No, it was Obama who kept threatening to uh, outlaw certain weapons. So I went out and bought them. Ah, well, in that case, you're exactly like I am in that way. That was when I started getting into the Second Amendment as well. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on doing so, and thank you for doing so. Thank you. I uh, bet you probably never expected to hear that from a liberal. Uh, and that kind of dovetails into point number two, this whole deplatforming thing. Right. Uh, I'm also in the IT industry, and I'm watching big tech and all this, and this is not the way we're supposed to be doing it in America, you know, just cutting people off. and kicking Let me ask them you off. something. Are you a liberal or a more libertarian, do you think? I'm a liberal, sir. You're a liberal. I'm not a Democrat. I'm a liberal. There's a big difference. I want to hold you over. I want to explore this a little further with you. Is that okay? Sure, sure. All right. We're going to go back to, is it Terrell or Terrell? It's Terrell, sir. We're going to go back to Terrell in Virginia when we return. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Terrell's called us from Virginia. He declared himself a liberal, but he said he's for the Second Amendment. He said he's for free speech. So, um, you believe in civil liberties, sir, I take it, right? Absolutely, Mark. Matter of fact, the Second Amendment is a civil right. But a lot of, a lot, I wouldn't call them liberals. A lot of leftists do not believe in civil liberties anymore, do they? Oh, um, they're leftists, you're right. They are not liberals, they haven't been, the Democrats are not, and they scare the daylights out of me, sir. So tell me about yourself. They really do. You well, identify as a, what are you, a classical liberal or an old-time liberal? Gosh, I don't know. Uh, I guess it depends on whatever. A lot of people put terms on that and that they're free to do so. Um, I simply say that I'm a liberal born and raised in San Francisco, California, uh, with most of the attitudes that you would probably expect of a San Franciscan who grew up in the 70s. And what so attitudes would those be? Oh, basically, live and let live. You have the right to do whatever you want so long as you don't step on the rights of other people uh, to do the same thing. That's in a nutshell. So that means you know, my dad carried a gun. Uh, I got my mom in to, to enjoy shooting. My wife likes shooting. She likes marksmanship. And it's about that last final liberty, uh, that I should say the defense of that liberty, to do those things that we want to be able to do without, as long as we don't step on the rights of others to do so. How about taxation? That's really what it is. How about taxation? Well, if we want the services that the government provides, like, for example, the interstates, we do need taxation. But most most of the roads are not interstates, and most of the spending has nothing to do with interstates. It's massive redistribution yeah, of wealth, up or down. I've heard about that, and uh, that which is uh, the, 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 the money that is taxed for roads should be spent on roads. Matter of fact— No, but I'm asking you, that's an easy one. 
because even Adam Smith wrote in The Wealth of Nations that there needs to be some basic taxation for basic needs and community. My question to you is, we're getting a little past roads here. Bernie Sanders spending to redistribute wealth and that sort of thing. Where do you stand on that? You said you're a San, from no San Francisco. That's why I'm curious. Sure, sure. Uh, well, uh, I, as, as honest as I consider Bernie to be, and I've heard you uh, say the same thing about, uh, about Senator Sanders, uh, I think he goes way too far. Yeah, he's a neo-Marxist. He pretends to be, you know... He's, I'm a democratic socialist. We know what that means. Uh, and <clears throat> and, he, and he, let me ask you, when you first got married, did you and your wife even conceive of having your honeymoon in Moscow? No, but I wouldn't have necessarily been opposed to it. I hear Moscow's a nice uh, city <laughs> to visit. Well, you hear wrong, but that's okay. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I've never, I've never been there. Well, neither have I. Yeah, but in the in 1980s, it was quite repressive, wouldn't you say? Oh, the 1980s, yeah. Well, I got well that's when he went, two years you know, ago. when the Soviet Union was in control. Oh, uh, anyway, uh, in other ways, you say you're liberal. How so? Yeah. Well, um, gay marriage, no problem. Go for it if that's your thing. You know, you're not hurting me. Uh, I do believe we have uh, How about abortion? problems that we need to solve. How about abortion? I'm definitely pro-choice. I am as pro-choice on abortion as I am for firearms. In every respect? Pretty much. I know, but, but, but firearms... I, I, I guess but, so. But hold on now. Firearms, we're talking about an object. Abortion of people, people of faith, or even people of science. They understand that that's a human being. Now, I'm not saying you have to agree with me. Not on the science. You may, you may decide it's a choice and that there are certain uh, decisions you believe in, but... <clears throat> I've never quite understood. The more we learn about science, the more it's obvious that that's just not tissue. That's a human being, right? Well, we are probably going to disagree on that point. And that's I not a human being? That you've put forth. That's not a human being? We don't agree on every point. No, no, no. I'm not saying whether we agree or not. I'm asking you about the science. Is that a human being? Oh, God. Mark, really? That's part of the problem. We're going off into an abortion. See, folks, I am when the questions get tough... And they involve life. I've got on other issues with you. So far, it's hard to pin you down because you're—it's not—you're not a liberal. You're not in anything. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's hard to. Well, pin you me called down. and said you're a liberal. You're not a in lot anything. Of in just neat little boxes. <laughs> it's not a neat little box. We, we 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 speak in ways where we're, you're the one who called and said you're a liberal. I didn't call you and say you're a liberal. You called the call screen and said you're a liberal. Yeah, that's good. That's good oh, so I you am. put yourself in a box. Now you're sounding like a okay. liberal. Uh, where are you on national security? That depends on what aspect we're talking about. That's, that's a good answer. Subject. Okay. How about securing the border? We need to do it. You just that's... strike me. You strike me as somebody. You're right. Who's? But you're not. A, when you call and say I'm a liberal. <clears throat> You're not really a liberal. I, again, I think you're more of a libertarian, but that's perfectly fine. All right. Listen, I appreciate you calling. Uh, well, we're not, well, there's a little bit here. I know we cut off into the weeds. I actually wanted to uh, discuss a couple more things. With Go you. ahead. We're running out of time. they got two minutes. Okay. 
I will, sir. Okay, I'll make it quick. Uh, first off, again, the deplatforming, bad news. Uh, yeah. You know, they're kicking people off of, uh, you know, for advocating the Second Amendment, which, by the way, I'm one of the ones that do that. Right. Um, and that's a bad deal. I mean, uh, the, way no, it's a you, big the deal. way that you do that, you, yeah, it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. It's wrong. Uh, the proper way to do that is to use your First Amendment rights to counter the, uh, you know, the, the First exactly. Amendment right of somebody else. You know, let, let idea go against idea, free, you know, free and clear. That's I'm with you 100 percent. America. Yep. Right. And number three. Um, what happened to number two? Oh, actually, n- number two was deplatforming. The first ah, one was uh, right. the Second Amendment. All right, sorry. Right, and the and the third one, Nancy Pelosi called yes. uh, COVID nineteen the Trump virus. You remember that? I do. Yeah. Well, therefore, should we not likewise be calling this vaccine the Trump vaccine? I mean, I guess we? so. Didn't he help catalyze it? I thought so. Well, then let's do it. Let's call it the Trump vaccine. <laughs> I'm I'm deadly serious. If she calls it the she calls the virus the Trump virus, we should call the. What do you do? You don't have to name the company. Trump. What do you do? Oh, you sound like a radio the host. The company, if you want. No, no, I don't want the okay. name of the company. Oh, well, then call it the Trump vaccine. He catalyzed. It. He made it possible. That I agree with my you. Shots tomorrow because I, of President Trump. Whether you love him or hate him, right. I'm going to get that my shot tomorrow because of him. Who did you vote for? That's just the way it is. I'm sorry. Who did you vote for? I keep that tight to my chest. I know, but no, no, nobody knows who you are. No offense. I keep that tight to my chest. I'm not going to answer that. Did one. you vote? But I will tell you, I vote for constitutionalists. All right, very good. You know, I'm a constitutionalist. Yeah, yeah. My wife, by the way, is listening to all this. She's uh, got this big smile on her face. <laughs> well, you actually, you actually sound like a very nice guy and a very thoughtful guy. You're not one of these jerks who calls up and says, Yeah, well, you know what? When we had the assault weapon ban, I got one of these from Connecticut last week. There were no mass shootings. And he forgot about Columbine and all the rest of it. So he was a liar. And I don't have any tolerance for that stuff. So, And I don't blame you. An assault weapon, as we both know, is an invented term by Josh Sugarman in the 1980s to demonize modern sporting rifles. We know and you've really gotten into this, haven't you? Uh, Mark... I got a podcast for, that promotes the Second Amendment from a liberal point of view. And that's why I mentioned deplatforming. Are they going to kick me off? <laughs> yes, they'll try. I put it past them. Yeah, they, they, well, they, have, they can. I mean, it's their platform. They legally can do it, but even though it would be against the spirit of the First Amendment to do it. Uh, that's not how we should do it in America. We're back to that now. But you know what, so, Terrell? These are functionaries for the government. You know, big tech is basically in the, in the Democrat Party's back pocket. They're functionaries for the left. That's who they are. That's where they live. When you look at this fool, Zuckerberg, and the other guy, Jack, what's his ass? Excuse me, what's his name? Um, these, these are hard left guys. They're multi-billionaires, and they're throwing their weight around. Listen, I enjoyed it very, very much. What's the name of your podcast? Well, actually, it's the Liberals Gun Corner. Well, guess what? You're not going to have more listeners than you have ever had. All right, you take care of yourself. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Let us go to Jim Newport, California, beautiful area, on the 870 AM, the great KRLA, where we are live and national. Go! How are you, Mark? Pleasure Very well. You, sir. I, uh, I need I, you I, to get off the speakerphone, though, no offense. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Otherwise, you sound like that. Okay. Is this better? Much Is better, better, yes. Yep. Okay, thank you. Three points. Number one. Biden is an empty suit, a warm body, an empty suit. He's been an embarrassment to his family, to this country, to the office of the presidency, and to the to the. Globe. He may be an empty suit, but what he's doing is uh, intentional uh, and diabolical, and enormously damaging to this society and this culture. So, empty suit or not, the substance of what he's doing—I don't care if it's him or his aides—it doesn't really matter is really devastating to this country. Right. And, you know, real presidents, real men, they stand up and they take the heat. They stand there like the Rock of Gibraltar, unscripted, and they'll stay there for two hours if they have to. He won't do that. They go to the border multiple times. They go where the wildfires were in Northern California. They go where the killings are. They go all these natural disasters. They engage. They talk. They look at people. He's incapable of doing that. You're and as quite far right. as Jen Psaki is concerned, as far as Jen Psaki is concerned, uh, you know, th- th- I, I'm astounded that the press, even Peter Ducey, they don't ask the follow-up questions. If she well, was they don't, they, I launch, mean, Ducey does ask follow-up questions, but they don't allow him to ask Biden any questions. Well, yeah, but, you know, if she was in a court of law and she answered questions like that, I, they would say non-responsive, answer the question. So you're working on a plan to get Biden to go down to the border to be things so they can transparent and stuff. They want to, you know, respect the dignity. If they were doing it right, the dignity is intact because those those situations where they're being held, there shouldn't be anything wrong with it. If you're not afraid of the truth, it's like that movie. Well, that's what, that's what people are saying. That's what the Republicans down there are saying. Yeah, but see, they, they stopped. It's like that movie Crimson Tide when Denzel Washington rushed the command center with Gene Hackman, and he walked in with his crew, and they go, stop, and he goes, shoot me. They're not going to do that. They should, if they should, All right, thanks like for that. your call. I don't know where we're going with this. Do you have any, any idea, Mr. Producer? I have no idea. And I don't mean to be rude. That's just three minutes. So, Andrew, Long Island, New York, the great WABC. Go ahead. Anyone else, Mr. Producer? My computer's dead, ladies and gentlemen, so I have to rely on Mr. Producer. Tom Edison, New Jersey. You're not Thomas Edison, are you? The great WABC. Go. Hey, I'm a 77-year-old man, and I'm embarrassed to say I never read the Constitution until I started listening to your show. Thank you. 
I subscribed to Blaze TV. The thing you did about Stacey Abrams, what a piece of crap she is. Oh, Jesus. made me cry was the segment on Barney. I have a rescue, Doug, and it just made me cry. So you like uh, Blaze. Isn't it a great channel? Absolutely. It really, I try, I, you know, it's not easy for me to convey this to people, but it's not just Levin TV. We have about two dozen hosts. They are absolutely fantastic. I mean, we've got uh, Glenn Beck, and we've got uh, Andrew Wilkow, we've got uh, David Rubin. We've got, I, I, I don't like starting because then I forget. They're just fantastic people. They're intriguing, they're interesting. They have a good sense of humor. It'll change your life to watch Blaze TV, to watch people with whom you'll agree most of the time. But even apart from that, who bring you intelligent information and uh, are substantive, but on the other hand, could smile and laugh too. Like you just said, I talked about my Barney. I almost started cracking up again, didn't I? Yeah, and I cried because of our rescue dog. Yeah. Well, I'm embarrassed that I never read the Constitution. I lived to be 77 year olds, and I said, what a jerk you are. Get on No, it. no, but you read it, right? Now you've read it. Oh, yeah. I like that Tenth uh, Amendment. Yep. Where anything not specifically by the government is... Belongs to the states. The states. And you know what? The, le- the left ignores it. The left doesn't, pretends it doesn't even exist uh, Thurgood Marshall once said that it's merely a statement of fact. Of course, it's more than a statement of fact. It places limits on the uh, on the central government, frankly, as do all the, the, uh, the amendments in the Bill of Rights. And this is why they're constantly under attack by the, uh, by the Marxist and neo-Marxist left, which is now uh, a significant part of the Democrat Party, as far as I'm concerned. And one other thing, you know, Milton Friedman, he once said if the federal government was in charge of the Sahara Desert, he would be out of sand in five years. He's right. I know he's right. And he's also the man who said, uh, even though he was a libertarian, he said you can't have open borders in a massive welfare state. And we have both. And that will be, in part, one of the ways that that this country will, uh, if it doesn't stop, will collapse. The, uh, we just can't handle this. No country can. And then you have these movements afoot that reject assimilation. So if you're not going to assimilate into the American culture, and our borders are wide open, and as the chairman and CEO of Gallup says, there's 42 million people south of the border who want to come into this country. And then when you're attacked because you stand up for the rule of law, and you're told, oh, you just oppose the browning of America, they've got all the answers rhetorically. They've got all the propaganda and all their policies are a disaster. Absolute disaster. Absolutely. All right, my friend. What's that? Thank you, Mark. Keep up all the right. good work. Thank you, and you take care of yourself. Anyone else out there, Mr. Producer, that I should talk to? In Huntington, California, Lisa. How are you, Lisa? Hi. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Excellent. I want to thank you, first of all, for being so polite. I love your ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, thank that, you. It always makes me feel important, I guess. <laughs> You're very kind. Um, my, my main topic, I guess, is if I had the opportunity to run for office, um, I think a great way to start solving these problems is to approach them as a tough love uh, type of solution. 
and there's a lot of good ideas out there. Um, and if I want to speak of just one in particular, it would be the homeless issue. As you know, in California, we have a huge problem with that. Mm-hmm. And I've watched that uh, documentary, uh, Seattle is Dying, and it was amazing what Ro- Rhode Island had accomplished. And I, obviously they're a much smaller state than we are, but the approach would be exactly the same here, just on a larger scale. I'm not familiar with the approach. The approach is to start enforcing the laws on the books when it comes to the law enforcement. and When it comes to what? I'm sorry? With the homeless people. Yeah, when it comes to uh, what? There, enforcing the books? Of, uh, enforcing the laws that are already on the books. Right, right now they're just not doing it because they, they, I guess it's unpopular, whatever, they're too afraid. So the way Rhode Island approached it is they um, set up uh, these, these systems where they would uh, actually arrest these people for the, the crimes, whether it even just be vagrancy or, um, you know. Well, this is what Giuliani did in New York City. And it, it, In other words, it, even so-called nonviolent crimes, uh, people were picked up off the streets, they were charged, or they were brought to uh, mental institutions, they brought home, that sort of thing. Uh, so when people say we're only going to, you know, we're only going to go after violent crimes, what they're going to do is destroy the environment of that particular community. I have to run. Thank you for your call. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. This is Radio Free America on The Mark Levin Show. Call now, 877-381-3811. Alaska is a big damn state, and it's got a lot of resources. And uh, I often watch these shows on Alaska, living off the grid, that sort of thing, and I wonder how that would be like. I don't think I'm capable of it, but I do think it's very cool that people are very, very independent, or at least a lot of them are including the governor of Alaska, Mike Dunleavy. Governor, how are you, sir? Mark, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Doing good. It's a pleasure. You know, the feds, whether it's the Interior Department or whether it's uh, Democrats in Congress and some Republicans, think Alaska is part of the federal government and that Alaska is the plaything of the federal government. Am I right? Oh, exactly. We, you're spot on, Mark. We have to deal with this on a daily basis, that Alaska is a national park. It's not a sovereign state. So it's a continual series of, of pushing back, unfortunately, and lawsuits uh, to get folks to recognize where we're at. Um, so Friday, just real quick, so Friday, 
we are we basically told the uh, the uh, Park Service that we're done with this 62 years of them citing our Alaska residents when they use our navigable waters. The uh, the Park Service believe that they still had the right to cite. Um, Alaskans for using rivers and lakes that belong to Alaska. And we said on Friday, that's it, enough. We're actually going to, and you're familiar with this term, interpose ourselves mm-hmm. between the federal agencies and the people of Alaska, and we'll use the um, resources of the state of Alaska to fight these guys off. That is fantastic. And you may start a, uh, a pushback in other states, too, particularly the large, lightly populated western states, where they do a lot of the same thing. People need to understand, I'm former deputy solicitor at the Interior Department, how big this department is, how powerful this department is, how they try and control all these lands, how they try and gobble up more and more lands. Every president wants, oh, we're going to sign another monument bill and so forth. And Alaska, how much of Alaska does the federal government own? Do you know? Uh, about 66% of it. The uh, state of Alaska has about 103 million acres for itself, but about 66% the feds control in one way or another. And they try to manage the other 34% that don't belong to them, right? Exactly. It's, 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 a, it's a daily, like I said, it's a daily fight. And um, we have made the conscious decision to, um, as they would say, lawyer up. We've asked our legislature for a considerable amount of money to... Um, get ready to defend Alaska's rights, to develop its resources, but also to let us live in this state, again, a sovereign state within the federal system. It's important you're pushing back because it's only going to get worse. Uh, This administration, its environmental uh, protection agency, so-called, its its interior department, excuse me, I believe they're going to make war with the states that have these large rural areas and large... uh, geographic areas, and I believe they're going to try and nationalize more and more of it because uh, Joe Biden's out to uh, create a legacy. So I think uh, you're setting a terrific example. You're saying, you know what, we're not going to wait for this. Uh, They're already messing around in our areas. We're going to push back. Exactly what do they do? They tell your citizens directly what they can and can't do in the rivers? So you'll be out on a boat, and our rivers are highways. And what's interesting, Mark, just uh, just a couple years ago, the Supreme Court ruled twice, 8-0 the first time, 9-0 the second time. And the opinion was actually written by Supreme Court Justice Kagan that basically Alaska owns these rivers, owns these waterways. They have a right to um, oversee them, and their people have a right to use them because there are highways. There are access to and from uh, the, the homes, the homesteads, the gold mines, et cetera. And the federal agencies, especially the Park Service, didn't get the memo, didn't get the memo. And so on Friday, we said, that's it, enough. We're done with it. You, uh, you harass our people. We're going to intervene. You, um, you try and take these rivers. And it's 800,000 miles of lakes and rivers. All right, we lost you a little bit. How many miles? 800,000 miles of wow. rivers and lakes in Alaska that we have jurisdiction over. And the Park Service viewed it as their own uh, own playground. Where, where the hell does the Park Service get any jurisdiction at all? I'm confused. They make up their own rules. We had a we had when Jimmy Carter. You remember Jimmy Carter? Barely, unfortunately. But yes, when when he was leaving office on December second, when he was defeated, uh, they pushed through a bill called ANILCA, which took more land out of uh, uh, out of uh, uh, service, let's say, and turned them into parks and conservation areas. And it was in that, that, uh, that bill that things really took off, because at that point, 
the Park Service decided that uh, they were going to double down on their basically their claims over jurisdiction over these waters. And so this has been going on a long time. And like we said, it's done. It's over. It's enough. And um, we're going to do everything we can to protect our people. This is just the beginning. There's going to be there's going to be all, there's going to be more of this mark in terms of the federal government trying to stop Alaska from developing its resources, whether it's oil, whether it's uh, minerals, uh, critical rare earths, et cetera. And so uh, the gloves are off. This is time. We got to We got to do what we got to do. I don't want to put you on the spot, but, you know, when you're done being governor, you might make a decent senator, you know. Just saying. <laughs> well, you know, and we still have a lot to do as governor up here, Mark, a lot. And, uh, you know, we hope to get you up here. We, we you know, The shows are great, but uh, you want to yeah. come up, and it's not always that cold. I guess I could come up in the summer, right, where the sun never goes down or something like that? Exactly. Come up in June. <laughs> it's nice and warm, and we'll show you around. You know, Sarah Palin used to invite me up there, and I... I, I wouldn't come for some reason. Maybe one of these days I will go. I, I love watching these programs. I really do. They're fascinating. Just hop on a jet, take a nap before you know what you're here. That's how all works. right, Governor. Well, listen, we're going to have you back. Will you keep us updated on what's going on? Absolutely. And next time we're back, maybe we can talk about the fact that Alaska is the Second Amendment sanctuary state, the first of two, and how this is going to play into the future as well. No, no, no. Tell us now. Well, Alaska in 2010 and then in 2013 reaffirmed the legislature that we are going we are a second a second amendment sanctuary state. Austin and Wyoming were the first two. And basically what the legislature said is we will not be helping the federal government in any form or fashion uh, basically to disarm our, our citizens. And so we see what's happening now and um, we'll be talking with other states to see if they want to get on board and also be a second amendment sanctuary state so that we can form a coalition to push back from uh, what we know is coming our way. And that's uh, not looking good. That's outstanding. You know, I can think of two governors who might join you, DeSantis in Florida and uh, Nome in uh, South Dakota. You never know. Yep. All right, Governor. Keep up the good work. And yes, keep us informed, sir. All right, Mark. Thank you. You're welcome. That sounds like my kind of governor there, Mr. Producer. I don't know anything about him, uh, Mike Dunleavy beyond that, but uh, I think it's very, very important that you know what's going on up there because uh, these big states are treated like uh, they're treated like Israel's treated. Can I put it that way? By the Democrats and the left and our media, like they have no sovereignty whatsoever, and it doesn't matter what the people think. It doesn't matter who they elect. They're going to troll the outcomes in these states whether the people of these states like it or not. No, they have senators, they have representatives and so forth. Uh, They have uh, Republican forms of government, small r, so they get to decide too, for themselves. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. I want to show you the kind of race baiters that MSNBC and CNN and the others bring on who are so destructive, who divide this nation, who promote this critical race theory and so forth, who take a lie and make it even bigger. You've heard about, well, they're denying water and food to people in line. You know, people can't bring it up to them. Number one, they can bring it themselves. Number two. Uh, precinct workers and so forth can bring it to them as well. What they're trying to prevent is people getting up there with water and all and telling them who to vote for, because apparently that's been going on. So they're not forcing people uh, to starve or to go thirsty. And they're not trying to do it in minority areas. This, these laws apply across the state. And yet you wouldn't know it, would you? So Michael Eric Dyson is a professor. He's also disgusting a disgusting fool. A disgusting fool, I said. And here he is on MSNBC yesterday. Cut 12, go. Very quickly, you met recently with President Biden. And he's being Dyson. interviewed by Joy Reid. Same thing. It's amazing the past that the left gets. With their past tweets, their homophobia, their xenophobia, and all the rest of it. But Joy Reid is promoted to a primetime slot. Go ahead. And with other historians, do you think that Joe Biden is ready to do that, to get rid of the filibuster? Very quickly, we're out of time. Very much out of time. Well, uh, you know, I, I think he's contemplating it seriously when he sees the consequences. What he needs to do is fill these busters with some fear of the government. These are the kind of people who will pass a law to keep Jesus from beginning a cup of water while he's dying on the cross. Yeah, that, that, is, that is sad but true. Sad but true. Two morons. Absolute idiots. But MSNBC is very proud. And NBC, which is the, the parent network of MSNBC, and of course Comcast that owns them both. Very, very proud of this. Very, very proud of it. And then we have the DNC chairman on the Morning Joe. Morning Joe knows better, but he doesn't care. He likes the money he gets from being a saboteur and doing a show from Jupiter, Florida. But he's a real reprobate. He's disgusting, too. Cut 13. Jamie Harrison, DNC chairman, go. What Georgia has done in this bill is, in essence, said to a group of folks in Georgia that you don't matter and you don't count. Uh, From even criminalizing, giving somebody a bottle of water. This is America. See, I told you. See, See what they do on the left? Nobody's criminalizing giving somebody a bottle of water. People can't come up, they can't, for instance, pull up in cars and start giving people water and food and so forth because this has apparently been a problem with campaign workers trying to pressure people to vote a certain way. 
So, obviously, you can bring your own water, you can bring your own food. People who are working in the precinct, at the precinct, can give people water and food. Nobody's going to stop that. But they have, they're having incidences, and that's why they're trying to stop it. But you'll never hear that on the morning schmo. Go ahead. Over in the Far East, this is America where we send our sons and daughters overseas to fight for democracy in other countries. But over here, the Republican Party does every damn thing that they can. You see? You see, this is it. You're watching this show. You haven't learned a damn thing about what's in this bill. 70% of Americans, that includes all Americans of all races and backgrounds, support voter ID. Voter ID is removed, removed, removed from voting day. Signature verification. Most Americans support that. That is removed. It's outlawed. Removing dead people from voting rolls. Removing people who are on multiple voting rolls from multiple voting rolls. Most people support that. The Democrats call that, what do they call that? Purging the voter rolls in order to attack black people. Well, how do you know they're black people? Do they have, you know, Frank fill in the blank? Black person on the list? Of course not. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is what they push for. Common sense restrictions that are in place. I don't know. How many American citizens think illegal aliens should vote? And yet this law says individuals, not citizens. How many Americans are concerned that if you register online that you'll be open to cyber attacks from foreign enemies or domestic enemies because that's what's going to happen most Americans would be concerned about that there's no rational discussion about what's in these proposals instead when these Republican state legislatures not many but some step back and say wait a minute you've been litigating this crap you came into our states you ran to these uh, uh, cherry pick state courts that Democrats control you had Democrat governors Democrat secretaries of state We're pulling back on what you people did on the left in the Democrat Party and your surrogate litigators. Oh, I see. You must favor Jim Crow and you don't want people to drink water. This is what you get on the morning schmo. This is what you get on MSNBC from Joy Reid. Why is it that all the depressing people are named Joy, by the way? Go ahead. Oh, uh... The right to ah, shut up, you idiot. Why am I even listening to this buffoon? Yeah, why am I even listening to this buffoon? The media are so corrupt. The media are so poisonous to this country. It's not just MSNBC and CNN. It's NBC, ABC, and CBS, Sunday after Sunday. Interview show after interview show. Dana Bash... Demanding to know on CNN, another half-wit. Nah, a full net-wit. There she is on CNN urging the leftist senator from Georgia, urging him to lobby corporations in Georgia to prevent this Georgia law from going forward. You've got to do it, Senator. Senator, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to put more pressure on them? Amazing, isn't it? This is... The so-called media. One wonders how she got her job over there. Sure was all by merit. All right, folks, another day, and then tomorrow will be the next one, as they say. 
We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I hope you'll join us 21 short hours from now. I look forward to it. Thank you very much, and God bless you. See you tomorrow.